Hello Life Changes Church, welcome to our YouTube channel. We have got an amazing word prepared for you, so why don't you take out your notebook and your pen as we get ready to listen to what God has for us. It's really, really exciting to be able to welcome you to Vision Sunday. Uh, if you want to know what Vision Sunday is, it's not an opportunity for us to come up with a, what's the next new thing, new thing for the year, give us something busy to do. We are, we've got a vision as a church that doesn't change. We know what we've been called to. But it is a moment where we slow things down a little bit and we, we almost in a sense lift out the sails of, of the ship a little bit higher, if I can run that metaphor, and try and find the, the wind of the Spirit. Because it's so easy to be blown about by the things of the world, by the busyness of life, all the demands that, that have to happen to make up church, to make up our lives. And we want to take a moment for us as a church, but also as individuals, lift the sails a bit higher and say, God, where are you blowing? What, what, do you, what do you have for us? And uh, I really want to uh, preach this together with you tonight. So I need a few amens. Any, any amens in here? Come on, there we go. Good, good. Just checking. Thank you very much. But um, if you don't know what our vision is as a church, before we leap into what God's saying to us now, the vision of our church, how we orchestrate everything we do through three lenses, reach far, raise up, release wide. And in essence, it's what God has called us to do, to, to be disciples. It's nothing more fancy than that. We've just dumbed it down because we are a little bit dumb ourselves. So we've kept it simplistic for ourselves. You run through everything we do. Does it line up to this grid that's biblical, that holds us to what God has called us to do? And if you want to know what, what that looks like, I want to tell you, reach far. This, this very thing about we want to be a people that reach people who are far from Christ has led us to the fact that at the end of last year, we made a big call to move our city congregation to this venue. This very meeting was happening in the city, and we just felt that actually that's part of our vision to reach far was moving it to this facility because we felt that actually being in this venue, in this suburb, in Century City with this amazing group of people, we believe that we're able to reach more people for Jesus than in that facility. It was a tough decision because sentimentally, we loved that venue. We loved that space and what God is even doing in that space. But we ran it through the grid of, well, what does it mean to reach far at this time? Actually, we'll be a people that will give up our comfort, give up our preference to reach those who are far from Jesus. And that's what we're all about. I want to tell you what it means to reach far is the fact that we have a youth group that meets on a Friday that is bursting at the seams as a whole bunch of amazing people that is actually ministering into different age groups of uh, uh, teenagers who most of them are coming from one-parent homes, broken homes. And the incredible team, I know Val's in that team, and there's a whole bunch of other people who are in that team on a Friday night serving the teenagers of Cape Town. I want to tell you, that's what it looks like. This uh, pouring into that ministry every week and people sponsoring them to go on camps, sponsor, helping them in their schooling. And it's just incredible to see that's what it means to be a people who reach far. The very fact that we are inconveniencing ourselves to stretch and buy a building. Literally, we're buying a building, people. When everyone else is scaling back, everyone else is uh, uh, letting go of staff. And try, we're saying, actually, we believe God's called us to be on the offensive. We want to see a miracle. It's beyond our capability, but God. We're doing that. Why? Not because we go, oh, let's get into the property game. No, 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 no. We're doing it because we want to reach far. We believe we want to put a, a beachhead in this area, not just for tomorrow, but actually for the next 10, 20 years, that there'll be people reaching far for Jesus', Jesus name. That's why we want to do it. So that's what it means to be reach far. Uh, yeah, I remember after COVID, we did the, pan the pandemic. I don't know if anyone remember that. Was it a bad dream? No, it happened. But I remember, like, you know, Sundays and came and Sundays went and we were like, oh, wow, we're just online and what's going to happen? And, and I was driving and in an insecure moment, I said to Fiona, what if nobody comes back to any of our services? Just what if nobody comes back? I was being insecure. I was looking for a little bit of a pep talk from my wife. And then she said something that really sobered me and yet encouraged me at the same time. She said to me, so if they don't come back, there's 3.5 million people in Cape Town. We'll just reach some more people. I'm so grateful that some of you came back. Thank you, Jesus. 
But actually, the mission's still there. We exist not for ourselves. We exist for those who don't yet believe. There's 3.5 million people in the city. We'll keep reaching far. We'll keep inconveniencing ourselves so that they will encounter Jesus. Let's raise up, uh, reach far, raise up. I want to tell you the incredible thing. Across our church on any given Sunday, 400 people are serving. 400 people are serving, coming early, setting up, up chairs, uh, setting up coffee, practicing, doing these things, welcoming in the car park, inconveniencing themselves. That is a sign and a wonder. People maturing, saying, it's not about me, it's about others. There's over 300 people in a week, uh, each week, who meet in small groups, life groups across our city. I love that because that's people, again, saying, actually, I take my growth in Jesus seriously. I'm going to get into a small group. Somebody told me yesterday, I was uh, doing a wedding, they came to me and said, I'm a part of your church. I said, you're lying, I've never seen you in my life. <laughs> I didn't say it that way. I said, oh, wow, that's awesome. She said to me, she said, I've been a part of your church for nine years. Nine years. I'm like, I don't know who you are. We're not that big a church. I'm like, come on. She says, no, I, I, you know, I watch online and, and, I, and I love the fact that you never really pressurize me to join a small group. And I said, well, then you haven't been listening close enough. <laughs> The thing you love is not actually true because we don't want to pressurize you to get in a small group because we think small groups are great. We're not about small groups. We're about you growing in Jesus. And small groups is a vehicle that actually we believe big change, big growth happens in small groups. So we'll keep pressurizing you. So if you are here and you haven't heard that yet, you need to be in a small group. It's good for you. But we also have hundreds of people who counseled through our care ministry, our recovery ministry, getting set free from addictions. We've also, in the understanding, released wide. We, we don't just exist for ourselves. It's the very heart of the gospel is that actually last year, we, um, we actually ended up being a part of and financing and backing a church plant into Danoon, into one of the most under-resourced areas of our city. We were able to see a couple, Wayne and Jane, who were part of our story, who were, we loved having them a part of our story, have then gone and planted their own story, but that's a win for the kingdom of God. And, and it was incredible that while we are trying to raise money for a building here, God said, well, give money there. <laughs> and we're like, but that doesn't make sense. That's the kingdom of God. Actually, he says, if you keep sowing, you'll see fruits on the other side of that. So we've seen that. There's a couple called Wally and Shirley Gersmeyer. Some of you might not know them. They planted this church, Life Changes, uh, over 20 years ago. They're not a part of us anymore. But they minister into different contexts, different churches around the nation, and we still support them. And your financial giving supports that ministry into churches and um, planting churches, releasing churches around the country and the world. That's what we get to do. Maybe you don't see it directly, but that's actually some of the fruit of the kingdom. We don't get to see it. We just trust that God's on it. So it's incredible we've seen that. With, we've also been able to feed hundreds and hundreds of people through our Easter and Christmas giving campaigns. We've seen, that's why we're doing the Gifts of the Spirit course. Why? Gifts of the Spirit for us is because we want people to operate in their gifts. We believe it's time for the church to be the church again, not just one man with a microphone, but the church released wide into the city. Anointed physios, anointed occupational therapists, anointed doctors, anointed accountants. Can you even get an anointed accountant? It's anointed lawyers, anointed stay-at-home moms, anointed students that actually God says, in your area, you'll be released wide each week. We believe that we don't just have 800 to 1,000 people coming to our church on a Sunday. We believe that we have 800 to 1,000 pastors we get to release each week. And that's what we call to do, to reach far, raise up, and release wide. But tonight, I want to help us lift the sail a little bit higher and say, cool, but that's wonderful what we are doing as a church. But God, what are you saying to us now? There's a nowness to what you're doing. And I believe around the world, God is on the move. And we have to tap into what God is saying. And uh, it got me to thinking about when uh, our little girl turned six in March. But I remember when Fiona was pregnant, that those nine months. And uh, I remember, you know, just being, doing all my husband duties, you know, just uh, feeding her, loving her, massaging her, you know, all the things. You can 
verify those afterwards. There we go. Thank you for the nod. But I remember also reading all the books and reading all the blogs and going, finding all the in, insight from parents and telling us, so this is what you should do at this stage and, and get ready for this. And, and I remember I knew I was a dad. I knew I was a dad. There's a little girl in there. I knew it. I'd seen the scans. I believed it. But then I remember the 16th of March, 2017, about 11 a.m. in the morning. I remember as the womb was opened up and all of a sudden a little bundle of flaming red came out. Olivia Grace Phillips. And all of a sudden I went, all the textbooks, all the theory went out the window and I went, oh, I'm a dad. I'm a dad. You couldn't, you couldn't have studied for that moment and, and, and it was just chaos and wonder and gory and beautiful and, and that was just day one, people. It's happened, carried on every day since. But I want to tell you in that moment, nothing can prepare for you that moment. You have to encounter it. I can tell you what it's like to be a dad, but until you've become a parent yourself, you won't be able to relate. Let me tell you, likewise, I want to tell you that I really believe God is saying, I don't want the church just to theorize it and talk about it. I want the church to encounter it. I want you to know it. Let's read the scripture together. It'll be on the screen. Isaiah chapter 43. This is what we believe God is saying to us. Isaiah is a prophetic writer in the Old Testament, and he was writing to a certain context, but we believe he's writing also to us today through the word of God. And this is what it says from verse 14. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sakes, I'll send an army against Babylon, forcing the Babylonians to flee in those ships they are so proud of. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator and king. I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned. Their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candlewick. Verse 18 says, but forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do not see it. I'll make a pathway through the wilderness. I'll create rivers in the dry wasteland. The wild animals in the fields will thank me. The jackals and owls too for giving them water in the desert. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can be refreshed. I have made Israel for myself. They will someday honor me before the whole world. Before we open that text together, let's pray. Father, I pray a simple prayer for us as a church, us as a congregation here, us as families, us as friends, us as individuals, God. I pray, God, would you speak, because we are listening. And I thank you, Father, we wouldn't just talk, theorize, have ideas, but miss out on what you are calling us to encounter, press into, experience for ourselves. I thank you, Father God, we echo the words of that great song and Paul's prayer from Ephesians. We pray, open the eyes of our hearts so we want to see you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. If you're unsure of what the vision for this year is, taken from the text is a simple line, see the new. See the new. And I want to help us walk through that text of Scripture very quickly tonight. In a sense, trying to grapple with it and say, how do we see the new? So if you're taking notes, how do we see the new? Number one, is we have to understand there's a sense of transition that needs to take place. Number one is transition. It says this in verse 18, the prophet is waxing lyrical about all that God has done, set them free from Egypt, rescued them from the enemies. Then he gets to verse 18 and says, but forget all that. There's this, this clear declaration. He says, actually, draw a line in the sand, all this thing of your history. And it's a good history, a wonderful history. But he says, I want you to draw a line in the sand. And I need a, a, a moment of transition in your hearts. You need to forget all that. And if you read that and you are familiar with the scriptures, it, will, it should resound in you something that echoes in the New Testament. 
The Apostle Paul writes in the book of Philippians chapter 3, he says this, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I love this thing that, this, that Paul and Isaiah are almost giving us this moment. They're leading us to a crescendo to say, there's so much going on. There's so much in your history, so many good things. And there might even be some bad things, some tough moments. I want to bring you to this moment of one thing, bring you to clarity. And, this, and the Apostle Paul says this clearly. He says, this one thing I do. And I want to ask you before we even leap into what he is calling us to do, I want to ask, what is your one thing? What is the one thing that when, when you are under pressure, you keep going back to what is that one thing that right now you keep bringing up or reacting to, that one thing that you know, if, if I could just overcome that one thing, things will be different. What is the one thing that's plagued your life, that's held you captive? Because I want to tell you the solution that Paul is saying and Isaiah is saying to us today is saying this, forget what is behind. And I want to lead us to a moment tonight, prophetically, as a people that we can say, I'm going to forget what is behind. It is such a cool moment because Paul is writing, if you go and read this, this, this incredible letter of Philippians, chapter three, before he gets to this moment saying, this one thing I do, before that, he is waxing lyrical about his failures and his credentials. Where he has been, where, what are the things that disqualify him from his apostleship and also the things that should qualify him. He goes on and on. Now, let me tell you, this man, Paul, is in a sense, before he gets to this one thing, is looking in the rearview mirror of his life, and he sees this thing in the backstory of Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament. He sees in the backstory of his life, he was actually a former murderer of Christians. That was his job. That was his modus operandi, murderer of Christians. ISIS level style. He would go and he would watch the execution of Christ followers. And give, give, say, give the thumbs up to it. Yes, you can kill them. He would hunt them down in their homes. This is one of those, like, I can imagine Liam Neeson thing, I'll come and kill you. That is what he's doing. He is hell-bent on bringing the destruction of the church. This is what Paul was doing. Now, let me tell you, maybe you're sitting here tonight, and, and you're saying, I'd love to move on, and my one thing be Jesus. But let me tell you, the thing, the one thing in my past is so big, I, I really struggle to move forward. Let me tell you, I love the fact that Paul is the poster child of our faith in the New Testament. Why? Because in essence, I say, if you have not yet murdered Christians, you're not yet too far gone. And here's the great news. Even if you have, if one or two of you snuck in at the back, God used that guy to pen the majority of the New Testament. You're not too far gone. And this is the great news. I want to remind you, you're not too far gone. But also, on the other side of that, Paul then goes on to say, but also, I want to tell you all my qualifications. In the rearview mirror of his life, he says, I was circumcised on the eighth day. Weird flex, but anyway, we'll go with it. He said, I was a pure-blooded Israelite, tribe of Benjamin, a Pharisee, zealous for righteousness, observing the law without fault. And in this moment, he's saying this, he gets to this moment saying, forget all that's behind. He says, firstly, you're not too far gone. But then he goes on to say also, you haven't made it far enough. You think you've got great credentials and you think, actually, I've, I've really done a lot and I feel like I've made the grade. He's saying, you haven't even begun yet. Don't even hold those little moments up. Let me tell you, the stuff that's in front of you is far greater. Forget what is behind. The things that disqualified you as well as the things that you think qualify you. Forget all that. Forget all that. And I love that reality. For me, I want to remind us of the word there when I say transition. What I really believe that the church is wrestling with worldwide is this Christian swear word called repentance. 
It almost feels like it's a word that we don't want to touch because, oh, what does that mean? Repentance. But I believe repentance basically means this. It says do a 180 and turn directions. It says actually turn away from that one thing and turn to this one thing. It's, it's you look in a new direction. And as somebody much cleverer than I explained to me that the word re means to return. And pent means penthouse. <laughs> Repentance is get out of your squalor, return to the penthouse. Repent, return to your rightful standing as a son and daughter. Forget all that, forget all the stuff that has disqualified you in the past, return. And I believe a transition moment needs to happen in our hearts because too much of the church are living in this moment, this, this moment as they wrestle with their sin, their shame, with their self-righteousness. We live with this, this, this wrestle of almost like there's a cosmic God going, uh, and we, he goes, he loves me? Oh, he loves me not. He loves me? He loves me not. He loves me, and we just hope we go through our lives like this. He loves me today because I'm doing well. Oh, look, I'm so amazing. Next day, he loves me not. I'm doing so terribly. And we just hope that when the bus eventually hits us and we go to be here with him in heaven, we pray against all hope that it'll be he loves me on that last day. Thank God. <gasps> Let me tell you, forget all that. You've bought into a sham version of Christianity right now because of Jesus Christ. The Father says, he loves, me. he loves me, 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 he loves me. Not because of you're too far gone or because you've done enough. He says, forget all that, this one thing I do. There needs to be a point of transition where we stop playing games and we say, God, I'm fixing my eyes on you. Transition. Secondly, it goes on, the Isaiah says, forget all that is behind. He says, it is nothing compared to what I am about to do. This is God speaking to us. He says, it's nothing compared to what I'm about to do. And the second essence, I would say, there's transition, and then comes a moment of anticipation. Anticipation. You see, I really believe that we, and I'm speaking for myself, are far too easily satisfied. C.S. Lewis said this way, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what it is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. And I think apathy gets in our hearts so quickly. We get so duped into this life and we have these little moments of joy with God on a Sunday or in a moment and then we go, that's great for that, but let's get back to the humdrum of our lives. But the, the prophet is fanning to flame this holy sense of anticipation. Something bigger is calling. And I want to fan to flame that in our hearts and, and to go back to our Philippians text, Paul says, this one thing I do, I forget what's behind and I strain towards what is ahead. I press on. I strain to what is ahead. And he's using uh, Olympic athletic language. I know some of us, that's, that's a far stretch. I know, you're like, whoa, that's not for me. Don't worry, this is a spiritual invitation. But it's incredible. This holy sense of anticipation he's saying, it's that, it's that almost moment between on the marks, gets it. That sense of anticipation, something's about to happen. Something's about to happen. You're prepared, you're ready, your eyes are fixed, set on this one thing, and you're ready to go, and the gun's about to go off. And this is what following Jesus is like. It's not just about a decision or a set of beliefs or moral code. He's actually calling us. He says, strain, strain, press on. Exert your body to the point of collapse. Push every muscle in your body to the point of exhaustion, to the limit. And if you're a runner, and I am not, so I'm a, I'm a new runner, found some, some, uh, some athletic juice in the last few months, and I'm trying to get uh, under 30 minutes for my 5Ks. Shout out to the athletes here. 
But I want to tell you, there comes a moment, and I, uh, so I speak under very amateur status, where as you're running, you're pushing yourself to a new limit, you hit the wall. Anyone know that moment? You hit the wall where you go, I can't anymore. You're like, I'm going to die. And that happens to be around the 10-minute mark, then the 20-minute mark, 25-minute mark, and when I can see home, I'm like, oh. And when you hit the wall, you've got two off- options. Throw in the towel or press through it. Two options. And I want to tell you, in life, in Christianity, you'll hit the wall. If you haven't hit it yet, it's coming. And he has the possible, says, forget what's behind. Strain, press on, press on. You've got two options, kick out, press on. And this is the incredible reality when he says press on, that comes from the, the Greek word katalambano. Katalambano means to achieve, to obtain, to strain towards. It's, a, it's got the essence saying this pressing on for, for, for more of God means to stalk and catch as a hunter. That word katalambano means to chase and apprehend as a police officer chases a thief. It means to grasp, to chase, to pursue. And I want to tell you, life changes Century City. We are called to this. This is what our faith journey is. To katalambano after him, to press on. And the reason why I love God confidence is because this is what Christ did for you and I. He katalambanoed us. He stalked and caught me. He chased and apprehended me. He grasped and pursued me. Christ forgot what was behind and strained to what was ahead. There's a sense of anticipation for us, pressing through, ready to what God's got something for us. I'm not gonna get disqualified. I'm not gonna get distracted. I'm pressing forward. Transition, anticipation. The third element is expectation because Isaiah says, forget what's behind. I'm about to do something new. And this moment of expectation, he says, I'm about to do something brand new. God's speaking to us in this moment. And if I can speak strongly to my own heart, my lukewarm, apathetic heart. I want to tell you, I'm, I'm pressing through. I'm choosing to press through and lay a hold of him. I'm not waiting for permission or popular consent. I really believe there's two categories of people in the world. There are those who are dead and there's those who are desperate. And I think too much of the church are happy with neutral ground somewhere in the middle. I'm neither dead, but I'm not desperate. And I want to tell you, Jesus is coming back for a church who's desperate for him. Jesus comes where he's wanted, where he's wanted, where he's desired. And I love that there's a narrative in Mark chapter five, and it's a woman who struggled with an issue of blood for 12 years. 12 years has been, this has marked her life. 12 years, where the, uh, where the writer says she's spent all that she has on doctors. For 12 years, she's done everything trying to find a cure. She's had isolation. She stayed away from the social gatherings. She stayed away from different moments. She's given everything to try to find a cure. She cannot get there. 12 years, she's done this. And then all of a sudden, she hears Jesus coming to town. And Jesus is surrounded by a, a holy throng of people, a crowd who are coming around him and touching him and moving close and trying to get a selfie. Jesus, I was with Jesus, amazing. Look at him. I want to get close by association and, and get Peter to give him a signature and get uh, Thomas to give a signature. Yeah. Oh, there's the disciples. He wants to be close to Jesus. It's so exciting. But there's one woman. Stand not out of, not out of like excitement, but out of desperation. And the Bible tells us that 12 years she's lived in isolation. This thing is so scarred, disfigured her life, and she starts pressing through the crowd, a crowd she should not have been in. And as she pushes through the crowd, and people get, what is she doing? Presses through, she's got one ambition, I've got to get to him. She hits the wall, she presses through. She presses through. A moment of transition that happens, I'm, I'm done with that, I'm not going back to her life. I'm going, I've seen him, I'm not leaving unchanged. And she presses through, and she lays a hold of the hem of Jesus' garment. 
And then Jesus says something profound. There's a whole crowd, lots of people pressing it. One hand grabs, people pushing up against him. He's trying to get through. A little a hand, her hand grabs it. And Jesus stops the whole crowd. He says, stop! He says, somebody touch me. And then they all start to giggle. Jesus, <laughs> like 3,000, I don't know how many people here. They're all, it's like, does he know that there's like a whole crowd around him? Surely there's lots of people who have been touching you, Jesus. He goes, no. And if you go read in Mark 5, he says, no, somebody deliberately touched me. And I love this reality that Augustine, the father, one of the church fathers says, the flesh feels, faith deliberately touches. The flesh goes on feelings. When I feel like it and when God moves, I'm going to lean in a bit more. No, but faith says I'm going to deliberately touch. I'm going to lay hold of that moment. And I love this reality because I believe the church is so confused worldwide. If you look around the world, you see such confusion about what we're supposed to be doing. And you watch this YouTube video and you go, that's what we're supposed to do. Then this guy goes, no, that's what we should do. And we get so distracted about what we're actually called to. And we're busy doing things that he never asked of us. There's a narrative that actually, it's like us going to a restaurant. And we welcome, in this restaurant, God comes and sits there. And we're like, God... Have we got a meal for you? It's going to be incredible. You're going to love it. And he goes, and God goes, oh, awesome, guys, thanks. But like, let me just get the menu. And God goes, cool, I'll take the steak. We're like, oh, God, that's a good choice. Good choice, good choice. We'll go to the kitchen. And then the guy, we cook, we cook, we cook. And then we come out and go, God, here's your meal. Pasta. It's incredible. The best pasta ever. But, but that's not what I ordered. No, no, God, you don't understand. We spend hours on this. We've got all the sauce. Look at all the cheese. Wait, it comes even with, uh, you know, we've got a performance around it. It's incredible. Look at this pasta. It's amazing. And God goes, that's incredible, guys. But I wanted the steak. And I think so often we're putting so much effort, so much energy in things that he's not called us to do. He says, actually, I've called you something. And this is what he's called us to. He says, forget what's behind. Strain and press on. He says, to the goal, to the prize to the goal, to the prize, the upward call of Christ Jesus. And I want to tell you in this moment, I want to, in the sense of expectation, I'm going to do something new. I want to tell you, my prayer for you and I is that we would make reasonable our enemy. I'm telling you, people see a woman pushing through a crowd. She's not supposed to be in this crowd. She's got an issue of blood. She shouldn't even be here. People are like, come on, calm down, lady, calm down. You can, if you just give it some time, he's going to walk your way. Just relax. And we often do that. We often disqualify people. You know, I've been in rooms where there's that one guy, you know, who's worshiping wildly. I don't know if you've ever been in a church like this, where it just was like, woo! We were in a church, uh, uh, a couple of us in a church, where every now and again they'll start handing out the flags. We're part of a flag church, people. And flags would get going, and you get one in the eye, and you're like, whoa, this is wild. And then there's that one guy who started doing flick flags, and he's like, oh, buddy, like, like, just don't invite your friend that night, because that's... But I remember having all these thoughts around these different people until I started to hear their story. And they tell me, you know what, let me tell you what Jesus did for me. Like, oh, he saved me from drugs. He set me free from this moment of oppression and this moment and this. And you hear them going, actually, that's the most appropriate response. That's the most appropriate response. My, my lukewarm, apathetic, oh, love you, Jesus. Lord, I give you my heart. Most of it. That, that is a shock. That should be like, what are you doing? needs to be the sense of this. I want to encourage us. Let's not pray cautious prayers because what we are praying for today will set the course of our life. I believe we're called to pray for dangerous prayers. What if God answered all your prayers? You'd have 365 wonderful days. And that's about it. God bless my day. Sure. <laughs> Imagine though if he blessed your courageous, wild, daring prayers. God, use me beyond what I could imagine. God, help when I hit my wall, God, I'm gonna push you and trust you and you're gonna be my source of grace and I'm gonna see more. 
sense of expectation, God says, will you partner with me? You're about to see something that you've never seen before. Transition, anticipation, expectation, and finally, we get to the last part, it says revelation. Because God says, out of Isaiah's mouth, says, see, I've already begun. Do you not see it? Do you not see it? Do you not perceive it? I believe, and I don't know if you've been watching around the world, there's pockets of revival and God, people saying, what, what does it look like? And, and I'm not here to comment on that, but I'll tell you unequivocally, we need a move of God. This city does not need more church services. It needs a move of God. People who trust God and say, God, we want you to move. People who say, God, I'm transitioning. I'm moving from where I was. I'm looking, I'm not looking back anymore. I'm trusting you with my future. People with anticipation saying, God, I'm, I'm, I'm expectant. God, and then revelation, we need to see it. And I can't do that. You can't do that. You need the spirit of God to open your eyes. This is the reality. That word there, see, is the word behold. It means experience, encounter. Back to my story of Olivia Grace when she's a little girl. It was, you can have all the information, but I'm telling you, if you have all the information but no transformation, nothing else changes. We got to get to a moment where we behold. He says, do you not see it? Do you not behold it? Do you not experience it? Do you not encounter it? There's an invitation to that reality. And as I bring this into land, I want to tell you the reality was why. As I was waxing lyrical about this, forget, because I'm about to do something profound. Do you not see it? Do you have eyes to see the new? It's because actually the whole narrative, or if you read before that, was him trying to walk them away from their safety blankets of their history. It's actually, will you leave that and walk into uncharted waters? Why? Because there were people that had become familiar with something called the finger of God. If you look in the narrative of the Old Testament, the finger of God was the finger that wrote the tablets, the Ten Commandments. The finger of God did that. The finger of God, as the psalmist says, was involved in creation. You flung the stars by your fingers into place. The finger of God spoke in, uh, in, in condemnation and judgment against Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel, came and wrote on the wall. The finger of God was very evident in their lives. Out there, someone else doing something for us. And maybe some others had encountered maybe the hand of God. And if you read about the hand of the God, the hand of God was, the, uh, was how he rescued them out of Egypt. It says he rescued them with a mighty arm and an outstretched hand. And as you keep reading the, this, the, the Old Testament, you get to the very last page of the Old Testament where the book of Malachi says, says the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. We're moving from the finger of God, the hand of God, and people saying one day someone will, the, the Savior will come with healing in his wings. And that's why he, wings, meaning the, the corners of his robe, the tassels of his robe. That's why in Mark 5, the woman came and when she pressed to the crowd, she reached to Jesus and touched the corner of his robe, the wings of his garment, because she trusted this is the one. This is the one we've been waiting for. People, but we always get stuck in different moments. We encounter God and say, that's cool, that's good for me. The finger of God, just a little touch. The hand of God, yes, a little bit of provision. Yeah, yeah, the corner of God, we have some power encounter. I wanna tell you, this is an incredible reality. If you keep reading the scriptures, we, uh, we have access, you and I today, see where we behold it, we have access to the face of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says, and we all who with unveiled faces behold, see the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. I wanna tell you and I and my heart tonight that you and I were made to encounter God face to face, not just talk about him, not just theorize about him, but know him. I love this reality, and I want to tell you, if you want to know our vision for this year, it's see the new. And I wish I could tell you right now, this is what that means. So we're going to do this project, this project, this project. We've got none of those. <laughs> we just sense God saying, will you come after me? Will you lay a hold of me?
And we want God. We are doing the gifts of the Spirit. We've got a Holy Spirit conference come. We want to make time. We have nights. We come and just worship and encounter God. I want to tell you, Sunday nights, I believe, are going to start heating up, not because of the aircon going off, but actually heating up because there's a hungry group of people who say, I'm not going to be satisfied with just the finger, just the hand, just the corner of his garment. I want the face. I'm coming into the full inheritance. I want to see the new. I want to just not have a slightly better improvement. I want all of him. I want to experience him. I want to encounter him. And actually, I believe these evenings will be a seedbed of revival. As this room grows and grows and grows, not with people coming for another show to come and say, God, look at our amazing pastor. But come and say, God, we're coming after you and what you want. This is who we call to be. And I love this because if you throw back to the book of Joshua, God says to him, I'm taking you into a new land, the promised land. And he says, you've never been there before. You've never been there before. You're gonna have to, I'm gonna take you on a way you've never been before. But this is an incredible thing. Joshua had been there before. He had gone in previously as part of the 12 spies to go and have a look at the land. But now God's, what God was saying in that moment is not saying that you've never been here geographically. He says, I'm giving you new eyes to see this land differently. Where you came in as a spy, now you're going in as a conqueror. I believe God's saying, will you see the new? Tomorrow you go to the same job. Tomorrow you go to the same situation. Tomorrow you go to the same relationship. Tomorrow you go to the same disease. You, tomorrow you go to the same reality. I want to tell you, God's saying, same situation, new eyes. New eyes, will you see the new? That actually I'm doing something in your situation that you can't even believe. This is what I believe God is calling us. Christ has stalked, he's chased us down. He's gone before us, he's opened the curtain so we can encounter God with boldness and confidence. If you want to know the vision for this year, we are going after God. And nothing will stop us. And I want to invite you to come with us. We're going to worship. We're going to press in. But it starts with us having a transition moment saying, I'm forgetting all that's behind. Let's stand to our feet. I'd love to pray for us. Why don't you close your eyes in this moment? Why don't we invite the Spirit of God to come and do what only He can do in our hearts? If you're comfortable, why don't you lift your hands to heaven? Uh, my, I've said it before, my greatest fear would be to talk about Him, theorize about Him, wax lyrical about Jesus and the things of heaven for years and never encounter Him. I pray right now as we lift our hands to you, heaven, I thank you. Father, that you would come and move, move upon your people. I thank you you would stir our hearts, arouse apathetic hearts afresh. I thank you, Father God, where we have settled for lukewarm apathy. I thank you, Father God, right now, awaken our hearts from the slumber. Awaken us, O sleeper. Awaken us so that we'll be able to rise from the dead and Christ will shine upon us. I thank you, Father God, place in us a desire for the things of God. Place in us an appetite for your, for you, God, that we will not be cheaply satisfied, that we will not be able to walk out going, that was a great word, and forget about it. I thank you, Father God, there'll be a burning in our hearts to lay a hold of you. I thank you, Father God, that revival would come to our city. Revival come to our city, awaken the dead to life, and put a desperate heart in us, God. I thank you, Father God, that you'll do it in us right now. We forget what lies behind. Right now, we choose to forget the things that have disqualified us, that secret shame, that, that brokenness. God, we, right now, in this moment, we just align the same moment. We step over saying, I'm stepping in to see the new. I thank you. We forget those things that have qualified us and we've held as cynical mechanisms and critical mechanisms from entering into the fullness, God. We leave those things behind to lay a hold of you. 
And I thank you, Father God, anticipation starts to well up. Holy anticipation, holy expectation that doesn't just feel but touches and lays a hold of. And God, I pray for revelation. Now open our eyes so we may see you. Open our eyes so that we may see you. Right now, why don't you pray? Why don't you pray that I can lead, lead us to this moment, but you have to go in. You have to go in. Right now, ask God. Say, God, open the eyes of my heart. Open the eyes of my heart so I may see you. I thank you, God. Why don't you do 30 seconds. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. He answers desperate prayers. Pray courageous prayers. Say, God, I want you. When the enemy comes and says, I hold back. They say, no, I'm pouring forth. I'm pouring forth. Let's do this. Call on his name. Jesus, we call on your name tonight. We call on your name and we say, God, would you fill us? God, would you move us? God, would you use us? God, would you ruin us for normal life? I thank you for this right now, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing in this room right now. We honor you in this place, God. We honor you, God. What an amazing, amazing word. If you would like to find out about what's happening in the life of the church, why don't you follow us on our social media, Instagram or Facebook, or you can go into our website, lifechanges.org.za. Thank you so much for watching that video. Be blessed.